Section 8 of Examining the U.S. Capitol Attack by the U.S. Senate. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 8, Department of Defense and District of Columbia National Guard Assistance on January 6th. On January 6th, D.C. National Guard had 154 personnel on duty at 37 locations in the National Capital Region including 40 personnel comprising the Quick Reaction Force, or QRF, stationed at Joint Base Andrews to assist MPD with crowd control. DOD's decision to provide D.C. National Guard support to the D.C. government was influenced by lessons learned following D.C. National Guard deployment during the summer of 2020 to civil disturbances related to the murder of George Floyd. As a result, the Acting Secretary of Defense imposed a series of control measures on DCNG deployment, including that the Secretary of Defense approve the issuance of weapons, batons, and protective equipment, and that the QRF be used as a last resort. The Secretary of the Army imposed an additional control measure that he approve a concept of operations before the use of the QRF. Although U.S. Capitol Police did not seek D.C. National Guard assistance in advance of January 6th, as the attack unfolded, both U.S. Capitol Police and MPD pleaded for D.C. National Guard assistance. DOD officials claimed they did not receive a workable request until approximately 2.30 p.m., D.C. National Guard personnel did not arrive at the Capitol until approximately 5.20 p.m., nearly three hours later. DOD officials stressed that during this period, DOD officials and D.C. National Guard were preparing their personnel, assessing the situation, determining how best to provide assistance, instructing personnel, and ensuring personnel were properly equipped. The two key DOD decision-makers on January 6th, Christopher Miller, Acting Secretary of Defense, and Ryan McCarthy, Secretary of the Army, told the committees that this planning was vital to DCNG's success in carrying out its mission. Chief of Staff of the Army, General James McConville, echoed this sentiment. The commanding general of DC National Guard, however, stated that DCNG was ready to assist USCP and criticized DOD's delay in authorizing DC National Guard deployment. The below section describes actions taken by DOD and DC National Guard in advance of and on January 6th. It provides background on DC National Guard, discusses DOD's assessment of the DC mayor's request for assistance, analyzes the control measures imposed on DCNG deployment in the days leading up to January 6th, and discusses the actions DOD and DC National Guard officials took during the attack. A. Background. DCNG is composed of more than 2,700 soldiers and airmen and provides mission-capable personnel in times of war or national emergency. Whereas state and other territorial National Guards report to the state or territorial executive official, 
D.C.'s unique position as a federal district makes DCNG the only National Guard unit that reports solely to the president. The president, however, has delegated the authority to activate D.C. National Guard to the Secretary of Defense, who has further delegated some authority to the Secretary of the Army. These delegations of authority were in place on January 6 and were relied upon by DOD officials. Upon a request by the D.C. Mayor, D.C. National Guard can support the D.C. government after obtaining approval from the Secretary of the Army, who must seek approval from the Secretary of Defense. When requested by the D.C. Mayor, D.C.N.G. can provide assistance on any land belonging to the City of Washington, D.C., which excludes federal territory such as the Capitol Complex and the National Mall. DCNG may also support federal agencies. However, it must first receive a request for assistance, or RFA, from a proper civilian authority. For the Capitol complex, such a requesting party could include the Capitol Police Board or the USCP chief. After a civilian authority submits an RFA to DCNG, the request is sent to the Secretary of the Army. The RFA is evaluated according to six criteria. One, legality, compliance with the laws. Two, lethality, the potential use of deadly force by or against DOD forces. Three, risk, the safety of DOD forces. Four, cost, including the source of funding and the effect on the DOD budget. Five, appropriateness, whether the requested support is in the interest of the DOD. And six, readiness, impact on DOD's ability to perform its other primary missions. After initial analysis, the Secretary of the Army consults with the Office of the Secretary of Defense, including the Office of the General Counsel. The Secretary of the Army also consults with the Deputy Attorney General, or DAG, and thereafter approves the request if appropriate. Upon approval, DCNG Commanding General informs the requesting civilian authority. The process is similar if the RFA requires Secretary of Defense approval. The Secretary of the Army will brief the Secretary of Defense on the plan of action. The Secretary of Defense, in turn, typically confers with the DOD General Counsel, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the Chief of the National Guard Bureau. The Secretary of Defense then decides whether to authorize the use of D.C. National Guard. The DCNG Commanding General informs the requesting civilian authority of the approval. According to officials, as was the case on January 6th, DOD only serves to support the requesting authority. B. DOD's posture following the events of summer 2020. In the summer of 2020, DCNG was activated to support local and federal law enforcement officers in responding to civil disturbances related to the murder of George Floyd. On May 31, 2020, President Trump, then-Secretary of Defense Mark Esper, and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, 
conducted a conference call with all 50 governors to try to get additional guard support to come to the capital, resulting in the National Guard's full mobilization of over 5,000 National Guard personnel. As part of its response, D.C. National Guard employed certain tactics that drew considerable scrutiny, including flying medical evacuation helicopters near crowds of protesters. Mr. McCarthy noted that the concern about the perception of troops on American streets was discussed during the summer of 2020 by all key decision-makers, including the Secretary of Defense, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the Army Chief of Staff, the Chief of the National Guard Bureau, the Deputy Secretary of Defense, and the General Counsels. General McConville also told the committees that these concerns were discussed within DOD leadership and reiterated that the military should only be used as a last resort in domestic law enforcement operations. When General Walker was asked whether the issue of optics of a uniformed presence was, quote, ever brought up by Army leadership when the D.C. National Guard was deployed during the summer of 2020, unquote, he responded, quote, it was never discussed in June. It was never discussed July 4th when we were supporting the city. It was never discussed August 28th when we supported the city, unquote. The U.S. Army, or Army, acknowledged that, quote, the preparations for the events of January 6th were informed by the considerable scrutiny received after the federal response to protests in summer 2020, unquote. Accordingly, after the June 2020 events, Mr. Esper and Mr. McCarthy, quote, determined that any future requests from civil authorities for DCNG support during planned protests required thorough scrutiny by both of them to ensure that the use of the National Guard was necessary and that, if so, the mission was narrowly tailored and appropriate for military forces, unquote. Mr. Miller, who was appointed as acting Secretary of Defense in November 2020, told the committees that there was an undercurrent of conversation about the lessons learned from the summer, such as don't fly helicopters over crowds for crowd control. Mr. Miller elaborated, quote, the events of the summer reiterated things that we already know, which is the United States Armed Forces should only be used as a last resort in domestic law enforcement after all other capabilities have been expended. And the use of force and the use of the military in domestic law enforcement needs to be extremely thoughtful and carefully planned and done with deliberation. Because at the end of the day, the armed forces of the United States, as you all know, is it's very important when we use armed forces in a domestic situation, unquote. Similarly, Mr. McCarthy, who was the secretary of the Army during the summer protests and on January 6th, told the committees that DOD's leadership was aware of the, quote, history of military involvement on American streets, and that if we were going to put troops on American streets, we wanted to be very clear about what we were doing. We're very conscious of that any time we put troops on American streets, 
because of the history and ultimately the perception that forms, unquote. Other events also informed DOD's posture in the days leading up to January 6th. For example, during the summer 2020 protests, guardsmen were not required to clearly identify themselves during the summer protests, which was addressed in the fiscal year 2021 National Defense Authorization Act that included a provision requiring guardsmen to clearly identify themselves when deployed domestically. Further, on January 3rd, 10 former Secretaries of Defense released a public letter warning DOD about using the military to resolve election disputes. Mr. McCarthy explained that, quote, the hyperbole about martial law and the 10 Secretaries of Defense letter were discussed in the entire Pentagon, unquote. When asked whether the public criticism about DOD's role during the summer 2020 civil disturbances or the other events led to any reluctance by leadership to participate in or assist on January 6th, Mr. McCarthy responded, No, just a lot of questions, a lot of rigor. We never said no. It was just we wanted to put the conditions in place to be successful. And we learned a lot from last summer about things that would go well and things that didn't. Adding that it was very important that we got deployment of D.C. National Guard right. Unquote. Further, in explaining the differences between DOD's response during the summer compared to January 6th, Mr. McCarthy stressed that the two events had different timelines. The civil disturbances during the summer occurred over a series of days, whereas the events of January 6th cooked off in minutes. Mr. McCarthy viewed this difference in time as one that impacted DOD's ability to prepare and marshal the capability to support law enforcement on January 6th. C. Events leading up to January 6th. 1. D.C. government's request for assistance. On December 31, 2020, Mayor Bowser and the D.C. Homeland Security and Emergency Management Agency, or HSEMA, submitted a formal request for DCNG assistance on January 5 and January 6, 2021, to support the Metropolitan Police Department and other DC entities. The HSEMA letter, directed to General William Walker, stated that the mission for DCNG would, quote, primarily be crowd management and assistance with blocking vehicles at traffic posts, and requested, one, six crowd management teams to manage crowds at specified metro stations and prevent overcrowding on metro platforms, and two, a team to assist at 30 designated traffic posts, unquote. Both letters requested that DCNG be unarmed during the mission. On January 1, General Walker sent a letter to Secretary McCarthy recommending approval of the D.C. government's request. In the letter, General Walker stated that he had analyzed the request for support and determined the support constituted valid training and operational practices. Mr. McCarthy told the committees that, upon receiving General Walker's letter, 
Army leadership spent the next few days deliberating about how to support the request and conducting a mission analysis in consultation with DCNG and MPD to identify the task organization and logistics. Mr. McCarthy believed certain conditions needed to be satisfied before he could approve the request, including the designation of a lead federal agency to support the operation and a concept of operations. Mr. McCarthy memorialized his concerns in an undated and unsigned letter. Mr. McCarthy explained a lead federal agency was necessary to deal with the tension that arises between the mayor and the federal side, particularly noting the challenges of coordinating the Park Police, Capitol Police, MPD, and FBI, which necessitated an, quote, architecture for the command and control, unquote. On Saturday, January 2, 2021, Mr. McCarthy, Mr. Miller, and General Milley conferred about the D.C. government's request for assistance. Mr. Miller told the committees that the conversation focused on understanding the roles of the local and federal law enforcement and discussing the concern about using the armed forces for domestic law enforcement. During the January 2nd meeting, all agreed that the mission analysis needed to be finalized and would be presented for final decision on January 4th. Two, USCP confirmed it was not requesting DCNG assistance. Mr. Sund and General Walker discussed the potential need for DC National Guard assistance as early as January 3rd. General Walker told the committees that he asked Mr. Sund if USCP planned to request DC National Guard assistance and explained that such a request had to be in writing because the Secretary of Defense had to approve it. Mr. Sund informed General Walker that he was not authorized to request DCNG support, but asked informally, If I do call you, will you be able to support me? General Walker responded in the affirmative, but reminded Mr. Sund that he would still have to seek approval from the Secretary of the Army and the Secretary of Defense because it was a federal request. On January 3rd, an employee within DOD's Office of Homeland Defense and Global Security confirmed with USCP that it was not requesting support from DOD. DOD again sought and received confirmation on January 4th that USCP was not seeking DOD assistance. According to Mr. McCarthy, because DOD received a request from Mayor Bowser's office, it wanted to confirm whether other law enforcement entities would also need assistance. As he explained, quote, that's why people called and asked. They were trying to, when I get back to the concept of operations and the command and control, all of the really meaty military tactical stuff, if you don't understand the concept of how the day is going to go, what your mission is going to be, who are you supporting? We are a supporting function. That's why they made all the calls and made sure everybody has the support they need. So that was critically important to codify, unquote. General McConville summarized the events leading up to January 6th, quote, the Capitol Police had no plan for military to be involved around the Capitol. 
The only agency that had a request for military was the Metro Police. No one else did, unquote. Acting Chief Pittman testified that she was unaware of both calls from DOD, but that she would have stated that U.S. Capitol Police needed the assistance of the National Guard, as she had previously told Mr. Sund. Three, coordination with Cabinet and White House officials. Around 1 p.m. on January 3rd, Mr. Miller hosted a Cabinet-level synchronization and coordination call. Mr. Miller told the committees that he initiated the call for two reasons. One was to share information so we could coordinate and synchronize. And number two, I wanted to make sure that they knew that any request for Department of Defense support, that it was legit, I was happy to provide. Generally, Mr. Miller wanted to make sure everybody was talking and that we weren't going to get surprised. Mr. Miller stated that during this meeting, DOJ was reminded that it typically serves as the lead federal agency for domestic law enforcement activities. Later that afternoon, Mr. Miller and General Milley met with President Trump, who concurred in the activation of D.C. National Guard to support law enforcement. According to Mr. Miller, the meeting with the president was scheduled to discuss a separate issue, unrelated to the January 6th joint session of Congress. At the end of the meeting, President Trump brought up the joint session, asking Mr. Miller whether they were prepared. Mr. Miller told the committees that the conversation with President Trump about January 6th was a 15-second, 30-second conversation. It was an in-passing, kind of what-else-is-going-on type of thing. When asked whether President Trump had a role in the approval process for the mayor's request, Mr. Miller told the committees no, because President Trump had delegated that authority and authorization to me. So there was no requirement for Mr. Miller to get the president's approval. Mr. McCarthy, who did not attend the meeting with the president, suggested to the committees that the president delegated authorization authority to Mr. Miller during the meeting, adding that, quote, it's the president's ultimate authority to put guardsmen in D.C. So yes, normally you inform the president, at least some communication, a courtesy, to either the president directly or to the chief of staff to let him know. And if the president wants to discuss, obviously it is in his discretion, unquote. On January 4, Mr. Miller convened a second conference call with cabinet members. Mr. Miller told the committees that in the time leading up to January 6, he recognized that, quote, the tone and rhetoric of the more aggressive demonstrators, boogaloo boys, proud boys, had changed in the last couple months, and that while he didn't have any indicators of an assault on the Capitol, unquote, he recognized, quote, that 6 January was the critical day in many of these conspiratorial-minded folks' narrative, and that it could be a pretty dramatic day, unquote. According to Mr. Miller, these concerns were raised internally in DOD and in interagency calls. On the January 4th call, according to Mr. Miller, he and General Milley voiced concern about the permits that had been issued questioning whether there was a mechanism to revoke permits 
for the 1,000 to 2,000 people who had been granted permission to gather on Capitol grounds. The Department of the Interior and D.C. officials assured DOD leadership that the protests were constitutionally protected activities. During the call, according to Mr. Miller, he and General Milley also suggested locking down D.C. to avoid potential violence. However, the idea was not pursued. Mr. Miller described that the consensus from law enforcement was that, given the current threat picture, they believed they had all resources and capability they needed to control the demonstration. Mr. Miller testified that he felt comfortable about the mission planning and believed they were all operating off a common operating picture. Four, designation of a lead federal agency. All DOD officials interviewed stressed the importance of the designation of a lead federal agency to support operations on January 6. The lead federal agency is, quote, the nexus and locus for all information flow, unquote, and ensures that everything is coordinated and synchronized across federal agencies and departments. Mr. Miller noted that DOD, quote, should never, ever be the lead federal agency for domestic law enforcement, unquote, except for the establishment of martial law. Indeed, Mr. McCarthy required an agency to be designated before supporting the mayor's request for National Guard assistance. According to Mr. McCarthy, on January 4th, the White House designated DOJ as the lead federal agency for January 6th. Quote, Sunday evening, after Acting Secretary Miller and General Milley met with the president, they got the lead federal agency established. All of the pieces started coming together, unquote. Mr. Miller also recalled that DOJ was designated as the lead federal agency at some point prior to January 6th, but he did not know what role the White House played in the decision. Although DOD understood that DOJ was designated as the lead federal agency, there appears to have been no clearly established point of contact within the department, according to Mr. McCarthy, which he found concerning. Prior to January 6th, Mr. McCarthy sent a letter to Acting Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen outlining the Army's operational plan in support of the mayor's request and reached out informally to David Bowditch, FBI Deputy Director, because the two had worked together previously. But Mr. McCarthy claimed, even during the attack, he was never provided an official point of contact at DOJ and had no contact with DOJ or FBI officials until approximately 4 p.m., General McConville also stated that DOJ was designated as the lead federal agency. However, he noted that DOJ did not conduct any interagency rehearsals or have an integrated security plan, as DOJ did during the summer 2020 protests when it had also been designated as the lead federal agency. General McConville stressed the importance of integrated security plans and acknowledged that had there been one on January 6th, DOD's response time would have been quicker. 
In contrast, Mr. Miller stated, Richard Donahue, acting deputy assistant attorney general, served as DOJ's operational lead on January 6. Notably, however, Mr. Miller acknowledged that during the attack, he convened calls with cabinet members to share information and ensure everyone was on the same page. When asked why he convened the calls as opposed to the lead federal agency, Mr. Miller responded, somebody needed to do it. Mr. Miller was not familiar with any actions DOJ took to coordinate the federal response on January 6. On May 12, 2021, Jeffrey Rosen, the acting attorney general on January 6, testified at a House oversight hearing that it was not accurate that DOJ was the lead federal agency for security preparations on January 6. He stated that DOJ's responsibilities were specific to intelligence coordinating and information sharing. DOJ has not acknowledged that it was designated the lead federal agency for January 6 and has yet to fully comply with the committee's requests for information. 5. Approval of D.C.'s request and control measures for D.C.N.G. deployment. On January 4th, Mr. McCarthy recommended that Mr. Miller approve the D.C. government's request for D.C.N.G. assistance. To formalize the recommendation, Mr. McCarthy sent a letter to Mr. Miller recommending the following assignments. Traffic control points, 90 personnel, 180 total, two shifts. Metro station support, 24 personnel, 48 total, two shifts. Weapons of mass destruction, civil support team, 20 personnel, and internal command and control, 52 personnel. The recommendation also included the support of the Quick Reaction Force of 40 personnel staged at Joint Base Andrews. Mr. Miller, in consultation with Mr. McCarthy, the DOD General Counsel, and General Milley, approved the plan to deploy D.C. National Guard to assist the D.C. government. Control measures, however, were imposed over the deployment of DCNG. In a memo dated January 4th, the January 4th memo, Mr. Miller outlined the following, quote, Without my subsequent personal authorization, the D.C. National Guard is not authorized the following, to be issued weapons, ammunition, bayonets, batons, or ballistic protection equipment, such as helmets and body armor to interact physically with protesters, except when necessary in self-defense or defense of others, consistent with the D.C. National Guard rules for the use of force, to employ any riot control agents, to share equipment with law enforcement agencies, to use intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, or ISR, assets, or to conduct ISR, or incident awareness and assessment activities, to employ helicopters or any other air assets, to conduct searches, seizures, arrests, or other similar direct law enforcement activity, to seek support from any non-DC National Guard, National Guard units, 
Mr. Miller explained to the committees the reasoning behind each control measure. For example, the purpose of the measure regarding the issuance of protection equipment was twofold. One was to make sure we presented an image of support as opposed to aggressiveness. And number two was that at that particular point, we did not want to provide an opportunity for some of these people to take advantage of the situation. Mr. McCarthy explained the purpose of the restriction as being, quote, able to control the escalation of capability and the employment of that capability with civilians, unquote. Mr. McCarthy further explained that DOD, quote, wants to do everything it can to calm the crowd. When you come out there with body armor and shields and weapons, it sends a message very quickly. If you're going to take those measures, it obviously has to be done in the most extreme cases. So they just wanted to be very conscious of the decision-making in the lead-up to those types of events, unquote. Mr. Miller described the second listed control measure on physical interaction with protesters as a, quote, classic statement of intent, unquote, that the mission is to support domestic law enforcement in a non-aggressive, non-kinetic way. Mr. Miller explained that the third measure about riot control agents was to make sure that the commanders on the ground knew it was not going to be an aggressive mission. Mr. McCarthy told the committees that Mr. Esper and General Milley had issued guidance following the summer 2020 events, incorporating lessons learned from those events. Mr. McCarthy noted that the riot gear control measure was a carbon copy of this previously issued guidance. Mr. McCarthy acknowledged that none of the control measures in the January 4 memo was in effect during the summer protests. Notably, Mr. Miller stated that there was no discussion of any prior guidance issued by Mr. Esper. When asked for a copy of this guidance, the Department of Defense indicated no such document existed. The January 4 memo also provided guidance on the use of the QRF. Quote, you may employ the DCNG Quick Reaction Force, or QRF, only as a last resort and in response to a request from an appropriate civil authority. If the QRF is so employed, DCNG personnel will be clearly marked and or distinguished from civilian law enforcement personnel, and you will notify me immediately upon your authorization, unquote. When asked why the language regarding a last resort was included, Mr. Miller responded that it was, quote, standard military doctrine and procedures for utilizing quick reaction forces and capabilities in military operations, unquote. On January 5th, upon receiving Mr. Miller's approval, Mr. McCarthy conveyed the approval to General Walker, outlining General Walker's authorities and control measures for DCNG in a letter. In addition to the control measures outlined in the January 4th memo, Mr. McCarthy added an additional requirement, that a concept of operations be submitted prior to the deployment of the QRF. Mr. McCarthy testified that the restriction was needed to know, quote, how we're going to employ the capability and ultimately support them and command 
and control them, unquote. Mr. McCarthy also testified that the restriction on the movement of troops was critical if General Walker was re-missioning the troops. Mr. McCarthy explained that this control measure was also in place during the summer of 2020. Further, Mr. McCarthy emphasized that if troops were creeping towards the Capitol, Mr. McCarthy wanted to communicate that to Congress because of the impressions that would be made. Mr. Miller never reviewed Mr. McCarthy's January 5th letter and was unaware that Mr. McCarthy added these additional measures, but noted that he deferred to operational leaders to impose any control measures deemed necessary. When asked about the January 6th control measures in comparison to the summer protests, Mr. McCarthy stated he did not remember if General Walker had deployed the QRF prior to January 6th, and explained that during the summer, he and General Walker were co-located together, implying that there was no need for a concept of operations. When asked about the measure regarding the movement of guardsmen from one corner to another, Mr. McCarthy gave a similar response, stating, Well, the summer, I was sitting side by side with them. It was very different, unquote. In his testimony to the committees on March 3rd, General Walker described the control measures differently from Mr. McCarthy and Mr. Miller, stating, quote, The Secretary of the Army's January 5th letter withheld authority for me to employ the quick reaction force. In addition, the Secretary of the Army's memorandum to me required that a concept of operation, or CONOP, be submitted to him before any employment of the QRF. I found that requirement to be unusual, as was the requirement to seek approval to move guardsmen supporting MPD to move from one traffic control point to another, unquote. As General Walker further described, quote, by definition, a QRF is an in extremis force, a break glass in case of need element postured to respond to an immediate and urgent need by friendly forces. Such requirement that a CONOP be staffed to higher headquarters during an emergency situation would inevitably delay implementation of the QRF, unquote. Mr. McCarthy, by contrast, told the committees he did not find the requirement to be unusual, stressing that we gave Walker everything he requested. End of Section 8